0: The Bible lesson for today is written in the 40th chapter of Isaiah, beginning with verse 1. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out, and I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. The word of the
1: Lord. Good morning again, everyone. Thanks. It's great to be here with you this morning. And to those of you who are new here, if you're here as a guest for the first time, welcome. I'm really glad that you're here. My name is Steve. I'm one of your pastors here. And uh, I'd love to make your acquaintance after the service. If you have a couple minutes, we could introduce ourselves. I'm glad that you're here this morning. This reading that we heard today, it's from a longer journey series that we're a part of. It's called Open Book. Our church started in this fall, opening the book kind of at the beginning, at the book of Genesis, and have been reading some of the main stories as we go forward, learning the story of God and the story of God's people. Today's reading came from this ancient prophet. His name was Isaiah, lived 500 plus years before Jesus, and this reading today came from the 40th chapter of his book. Isaiah's book is 66 chapters long. If you're looking for something to do this afternoon, that should take a couple of hours. It comes from Isaiah chapter 40, and it is a word of hope from God, a word of hope to the weary. I I chuckled at myself a little bit this last week as I knew that this sermon was coming up, our worship service was coming this week, and I was in Disney World this last week. Parents and grandparents, for those of you who have eyes to see, you may be noticed on your way into Disney World, if you've ever been there before, there's an invisible sign. Welcome to the weariest place on earth. I mean, man, by the end of every day, my dogs were barking, my feet were hurting, I was ready to get back and settle down for a little while. And uh, Our family, we enjoyed the trip very much. Uh, Cry me river. It was 80 degrees and sunny for me last week, I know, but uh, we were ready. We slept hard uh, every night last week. I, I joke about that, but it is important for us to hear a word of God's hope to the weary. Maybe in particular in this season of the year, this, this time of year, this mad sprint that happens from about the day after Thanksgiving, which we have learned to call Black Friday in our culture. sure this mad dash all the way to Christmas or the couple days after Christmas, this sprint, as we enter this time of year or maybe any time of the year, Do any of you get weary? (laughs) Are you weary anywhere in life? One of the things that gets weary in this time of year, I think, is how it is supposed to be the happiest time of the year, right? And it's not always, is it? We're pressured to put on this brave face. Everything is fine. Everything is wonderful. But sometimes this time of year is especially poignant for those wounds or those griefs or those sadnesses that happened to us this year or that we're carrying from previous years, it can be a real wearying struggle. It can be things that happen in our personal lives. I joked about my feet being tired and my feet hurting after a week at Disney World. A lot of us are struggling with real physical difficulties, right? You may be battling a sickness, an injury, a disability, an affliction in your life or in the life of people that you love And those things just wear you out. It is wearying. And maybe, like many, you've lost a loved one recently or around this time of year. And I've come to learn that grief is one of the most wearying things that we experience. It's like an invisible weight that we drag around with us and wonder, why are we so worn out all the time? We get weary from things in our personal lives, in our relational lives, I mean, goodness, even in the healthiest of relationships. I think about like family relationships. Even when things are healthy and going great, don't we sometimes make each other a little bit tired from time to time, right? It just takes energy. And all of our relationships are not in the healthiest place all the time, right? Sometimes things get sideways, broken, hurtful, and frankly, it's wearying, isn't it? Is anybody weary this time of year? happens in our personal lives, happens in the world. It happens in the social world around us. Every time I open the news, and I don't know where you watch, read, or scroll through your news, but man, it's tiring. It's depressing. It can feel hopeless. And depending on maybe where you get your news or kind of what your own opinions are, it may be that there are some things that really wear you out and weary you, or maybe there are other things that really wear you out and weary you when you look around the world. And I didn't exactly mean to point to the left and to the right when I did that, but maybe not coincidentally, that's true too. And honestly, as we look ahead to the year 2020, I've already begun praying, and our pastor's group has, and maybe some of you have too. This could be a tough year for our world. In fact, I think it will be a tough year for our world, no matter what happens. And I'm already praying for the life of God's church, for the life of God's people, that we followers of Jesus might find a little better way than what's on offer, the wearying hate and anger and screaming at one another that is going to be all over our world. There's so much brokenness. There's so much that breaks our heart. And I, for one, wish I could make it all better. (laughs) I bet you do too. I bet you look at things that are broken in our world and go, I want to fix that. And yet it's still there tomorrow, right? Maybe you're weary this time of year. We need to hear from God a word of hope to the weary. And unfortunately, as as I reflected on this and, and prayed about this, it occurred to me that church is a place where we can come and hear God's word of hope to the weary, but some of us, maybe many of us, have experienced church as a place that has made us weary. Maybe there's something where you've had an experience where people... Somebody else has used religion, has used God, has used church as a way to manipulate or to pile up guilt or to heap up shame. And it feels like even coming to the people of God and coming to the worship of God is wounding and wearying. And I wish with all my heart that weren't true. But I know that in many cases it is. And even maybe a a little bit lighter than that, We come to church, and things in life are changing. The world is changing rapidly. Technology is changing. Maybe your work has been changing. Relationships are changing. And you think, well, church is the place I can go, and that's where things won't change anymore. Everything will be stable there, right? And so you're like, I'm weary from the change. And there are other people who are going, I wish church, it's just so stuck. I wish it could change a little bit faster. Why are we dragging our feet so much, right? And that can be wearying. And the really good news is all of those opinions exist within the body of Christ together, within God's people, right? It's no coincidence, I think, that the scriptures teach us to bear with one another in love, to bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. But sometimes that bearing can be a little bit wearying. Is anybody weary and need a word of hope from God, a word of comfort to the weary? That's the word that God spoke Through his messenger prophet, the prophet Isaiah, thousands of years ago, God said, there is a word of hope for you in your weariness. You know, when I reflect on these things that make me weary, do you know what really needs to be addressed in me? I think what so many of us need to be addressed, it's not just that there are things in life that make me weary. It's that there are so many of those things, right? It's that they stack one on another. If you would just give me one problem at a time, a few of them I could solve. Many of them are way too big for me, even individually. But then they stack, and they're persistent. They keep going. And there comes a point when I look at the things in my personal life, relational life, social world around us, and I go, God, I can't do it. I can't make it better. It's just going to go on like this. And that is wearying, right? We can't fix it. But God sends this word of hope. He speaks a word of hope to people who are weary, just as you and I are through this ancient messenger, prophet Isaiah, to say, you're right, you can't make it better. In fact, you probably made it worse, but I can and I will. God speaks a word of promise, a hopeful word of promise to the weary, and he keeps that promise. Right? God made a promise of his grace of his saving power, that he would come and establish his way and his reign in this world, and he has kept that promise in the coming of Jesus into the world. And I find in my life that when someone makes me a promise and then they keep it, my trust level in them goes up, doesn't it? When someone makes me a promise and they don't keep it, I don't really ask them again, right? My trust level goes down. Somebody makes a promise and they keep it, I'm willing to trust that promise, that person again the next time. God made a promise Good news, here comes your God. And these, this promise from the word of the prophet Isaiah is exactly the words that those who knew Jesus wrote down in the Gospels to describe his coming. Right around the story of John the Baptist who came and heralded the way for Jesus. Prepare the way of the Lord. Here he comes. Every valley shall be raised up. Every hill made low. That's not because God hates topography or anything like that, right? It's just a way of saying, here comes God. Open up the way for God to come, right? God kept that promise, but not entirely yet, right? (laughs) Because if that had solved everything, then would anybody still be weary? I think even in Jesus' own life, in his life on this earth, and this life among us now, I think sometimes, because we have misunderstood God's promise, sometimes we fail to trust it. There were people in Jesus' own life who saw what Jesus was doing, and were like, nah, I don't actually think you're right about that. And Jesus would point, he would say, the sick are healed, the blind see, the sinners are forgiven, good news is preached to the poor, but not all at once, right? I, in my prayers, I am less patient than that. I, I pray, God, make it come all at once. As we sang in one of our sung prayers, one of our songs earlier, Lord Jesus, come, do it now. Right? And Jesus had to teach people and teaches us still. It didn't come all at once. The kingdom of God, Jesus said once, it's, it's like a mustard seed. It is here and it is planted and it is growing and it will bring blessing to all those who are around. Not all at once. Or another time Jesus said the kingdom of God is coming and it comes like a man who went out and he sowed good seed in his field and good crops grew and it bore fruit for people. Somebody else came and sowed weeds in that field. The enemy came and sowed weeds and there are weeds and we are living among them. Jesus came and he taught this to people but he didn't only teach it. Jesus lived it, right? He lived it and he died it. Jesus was the fulfillment of God's promise to bring his saving power over the world and he came with his saving power and then he was betrayed. And then he was arrested and he was tried and he was executed. We live in a world where we're so caught up in the darkness that we just might reject the Savior when he comes, right? But does anybody know the story? Is God going to take that answer? Is he going to let us give our no like that? That's what it looked like on Friday. That's what it looked like on Saturday. But on Sunday, God raised Jesus from the dead. And so we weary. We live in a world that will never be hopeless again. We live in a world that will never and can never be hopeless again. Because even when it goes all the way to darkness. Even when it goes all the way to death. We worship and follow a God who even raises the dead. Amen. And that is a word of hope. To our weariness, no matter what problems we face. Even when we understand that we are not enough, God's power can even raise the dead. And I think when we grasp that truth, it does two things to us. I think God can change us in two important ways. One, knowing that this is the power of God strengthens us, it gives us perseverance, it gives us vision, it gives us faithfulness to join God in the fight against the darkness, right? to endure our trials, to endure our troubles, and to go ahead and join with God in fighting against those things that weary his people, to fight against the violence, to fight against the lack of peace, the discrimination, the injustice, the hurt, the sickness, to fight for healing in God's world because we don't have to do it with our own power that just always runs out and makes us more weary. We do it instead by the power of God. You know, the, the Bible teaches us that God gives us his power, which is the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And for years, I read that verse, and I just kind of understood it as like, well, that's pretty awesome power. Like, God gives us like the mega power that conquers over death itself. But, and, and that's true. But it occurred to me that it's not just greatness of power, but the power that God used when he raised Jesus from the dead was a power that goes right into the darkness, It's not a power that like tiptoes across the darkness and doesn't ever get there and therefore can't touch our desperate lives. It was a power that went all the way to the cross, that went all the way to the tomb, and by those means and by that path came up living again. The first thing that happens is that we receive the power of God to, to persevere in our struggles and to join him in the fight against the darkness. But the second thing, and it actually comes before, The second thing is that we are given the strength. We are given the ability to name our weakness, to be honest about what our brokenness is. We are given the conditions in which lament is possible. We're given the conditions in which it's okay to say, I'm weary, I'm worn out, and I'm not enough for the problems that I face. Only God is. I think absent that truth, absent the power of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is an understandable pressure on us to pretend that we have it all together, to pretend that we are enough, to fake it as if we are someday going to make it, even though that's not true. But when we know that it is God who triumphs over the darkness in our lives, when we know that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us, now we have the ability to tell the truth about the darkness about the weariness, about the brokenness in our lives. And to help us with that, I want to share a gift with you this morning. In the last few weeks, Katie wrote a song that she shared with me, and I prevailed upon her to share with you. And I think this song, it encourages me here in this, this season of the Christian year. This is a time of year called Advent, where we learn to lean in to our dependency on God, to lean into our need for him to come and save us. And this song that Katie is going to share with you, served Me, in the same way that many of the psalms have served me. That they are able to feel two things at once. That they're able to to say two things at once. I'm weary. I need you. Where are you? And also, I still trust you. So let me let Katie share that with you.
2: Yeah, um, this song sort of flowed from a place of pain in my own life um, and also from the pain of seeing others around me that I love um, suffering. And so it's been a reminder to me, and, and I hope to you too, that we have a God who is strong enough and powerful enough and good enough to handle our pain and our questions Um, and his promise is true there is darkness here here it's found it's within me all around. Can you hear me? Do you see me? Are you Darkness here, here it's found. It's within me and all around. It's where vengeance flows and injustice breathes amid the sun. i will Deliver me, Lord, come and say. Is God is still good. God is still good. God is still good. God is still good. God is still good.
1: So important and so healing for us to know both those things, to learn to lament, to name our need before God, and in the midst of that need to remember that God is still good.